We are shows what you know. We'll always watch TV. And if you think we can't, we'll watch more and you'll see. That's why the people of the web believe in Jim from Las Vegas and Jacob from Sweden. Hello and welcome to Shows What You Know, your television podcast. And uh, I'd like to say that school is now out for summer and it's out forever and school has almost not quite but almost been blown to pieces because we're here to talk about vice principals again oh shit i meant welcome to vice principals your one and only vice principal podcast which has three episodes welcome to the show everyone my name is jacob burrows and i am jim scampoli your loyal host of vice principals a co-subsidiary of Shows What You Know and Care Of, Cut to Black, a soprano sit-down. Uh, that's right, we got all kinds of fingers in things and uh, just hoping something hits. <laughs> yes, yes, you're Jim, the Danny McBride to my weaselly uh, blonde principal. Uh, that's me, I'm the liar, I, I, and, and Jim is the heart of gold, and we're here to talk about vice principles. Now, we're gonna keep it, uh, if you're okay with this, Jim, we're gonna keep it spoiler-free for season two initially. So okay. maybe you've seen season one, but you need a little push. Should I really get into season two? Um, and so we're gonna talk about generalities and stuff before digging into the actual ending and specifics and so on. Does that sound good? That sounds amazing. Great. Uh, Vice Principals is such a good show. Uh, it's really good. I just finished it. I know you were watching it um, more, you know, as it, almost as it was coming out, and I just finished it. So I mentioned needing a push because I sort of needed a push, and I thank our uh, listener. Who was it who vehemently suggested that we need to watch Vice Principals to do our Vice Principals coverage, because if you don't know, uh, if you leave a review on our Shows What You Know feed, we have in the past said that we are contractually obligated uh, to watch the show, and it was Mikey who wrote, uh, edited his review to say, please, oh please, can you do an episode on Vice Principal Season 2? It's a quick watch, Jacob, and I know Jim has seen it already. He wrote that in his iTunes review, and I had to pay attention, and I had to watch it, and it's so good. This show is really good, Jim. I absolutely agree. I feel like this show's kind of slept on. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if it's just because of, like, Eastbound and Down and, like, McBride, where... I, it's not that I think people don't like Danny McBride, but maybe they kind of just figured they knew what the show was going to be. And of course, there's yeah. definitely some elements. There's some some elements that are similar to like Eastbound and Down, uh, because it is like you know he, him and Jody Hill, I believe, both worked on that show as well. Jody Hill, uh, I think, is co-writer and director, and uh, I don't know whatever the reason. I feel like this show should be talked about way more. It's such a good show. And especially like if you listen to our discussion of season one, the way they ended it was so like crazy and out there, but awesome. And it set up such a great back half because this show, I believe was just written and shot all at once as 18 episodes. And then they broke it down into two nine, uh, nine episode seasons. 
Yeah. And this budding, I think we we kind of talked about it when we discussed the first half or season one. It's this budding friendship between these two gentlemen, uh, Gamby and Lee Russell. And it is a joy to watch and you root for them, even though they're like fucked up weird people, especially Lee Russell. You root for them and you want this is like the budding romance or bromance, if you will. And it it hits moments. It hits heights that you wouldn't expect, both comedic and dramatic, I feel. And it has these nice like. These like, I guess, to sound like a pretentious asshole, like artistic flourishes and it gets to a great place. And you think I'm talking about the shape of water but I'm talking about <laughs> vice principles, my dude. <laughs> yeah, my dude. Uh, it's. Uh, I think season two, I mean, it has been a while since we both watched season one, but I think it's objectively better, probably. Uh, and again, it was a while since I saw season one, but I did re-listen to our coverage of season one, and my opinion of this show is so different now compared to how I felt after four episodes. And maybe that's part of the reason why it slept on. Like, maybe the people who check out the first episode kind of think they get it, but they don't get it because now that I'm at the end, I really love this show. And I remember actually feeling kind of doubtful even after a few episodes of, like, what this show was going to be. And as you said, they totally, uh, like, flip the table at the end of the first season and then this season is watching the table crash and like everything that happens as a result of that it's like uh there's no dragging your feet in season two which there may have been a little bit in season one yeah and but but also it really is it it really is one big story so it's kind of the back half pays off just because the first half sets it up so well. But even though yeah. I completely agree with what you're saying, but it's like it's too you know it's to the the betterment of the show the reason why that is, and um, it plays around similar to Eastbound and Down does, where you can play around with silly, outrageous things, but they keep it way more grounded and try to have some sort of repercussions to the things that happen. Uh, yeah. because in Eastbound and Down or something, you can have an episode where they get stuck on like, uh, someone's, someone's like palatial estate, like tr- driving a tractor. And I don't know. I remember they had some crazy episodes and it was like a Southern, like uh civil war man or something like that. Like crazy stuff that just happens for the fun, for the fun of it. And in this show, they kind of do that too. Cause we even talked about it in season one when, they burn down the principal's house and they trash yeah. it and burn it down. But it's not just a one-off thing. It it kind of is treated as such through the later episodes of like, holy shit, someone burned down the principal's house. Who did this? What happened? What's happening? Uh, and I think that continues here because, I mean, we said spoilers through season one. Season one ends with Gamby getting fucking shot by someone in a like an Indian mask uh, out in yeah. front of the school while his car is on fire. And it's such a crazy, like crazy moment, but it makes sense in the tone of the show. And then it was so exciting to see where they were going to go with that. And I don't know. It's great. It's great stuff. Yeah. I did read an interview in TV line with Danny McBride 
where they talked about burning down the house where the person interviewing said he never quite forgave them for burning down Belinda's house. Uh, and it still bugs him uh, that Gamby didn't intervene there. And it almost seemed out of character that he would have per participated in something so weird. Um, and uh, the answer was that that was their shot. That was our shot across the bow. That was where we really wanted to let audiences know that nothing was going to be off limits. And it added to the idea of just making sure they never knew what was going to happen next. That's one of the reasons we jump back and forth between strange drama and odd humor. Sometimes you're not even sure what tone you're going to get. It's also about the audience knowing that these characters shouldn't do these terrible things, and it's painful to have to watch them do it. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I wouldn't even argue that it was out of character because from what I remember that scene, it was like a weird escalation. Yeah. And Gamby just kind of got caught up in the moment, and even when the, the real shit started happening, like with the, uh, the fire, it's not like he was kind of gung-ho. It was just like things fucking got out of control things escalated really fast and uh, next thing you know the house is burnt down yeah i think maybe the reason it feels weird is that it's been so long ago and it's uh kind of this the characters feel more grounded now because we've spent more time with them somehow and when he uh, like when he brings up in the show oh yeah we burned down that house and totally ruined uh belinda brown's life uh, it's like, oh yeah, you did do that. <laughs> like, because Gamby's so reasonable this season, I feel, uh, that it's uh, quite the contrast. Well, it is because he's reasonable, but he's not because he has his, doesn't he, he has his crazy, uh, like security and yeah. doesn't he have, uh, like a weapon shed or something like that? Now, forgive me people. I, I've watched this a bit longer ago. I got to blame Jacob a bit for slowing us down, but, uh, mm -hmm. I do remember he has his own craziness, but you're right. He feels way more reasonable in, uh, contrast to Lee Russell. Yeah, and I mean, he, he gets a, like a weird house in the woods to protect himself and he <laughs> yeah. gets a weird crazy binder to or to like figure out all the different murder suspects and he has uh, like he gets completely convinced that a certain person has done it. Next episode, he's completely convinced another person has done it because they've annoyed him, so they probably shot him. Um, and that's crazy. I guess it makes more sense because the reason he's acting like that is that he got shot. Very true. Uh, so comparing that to last season, he was acting like that, but nobody had shot him yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it does work. And what's great about these two characters, too, is that we as the audience know that Gamby is kind of the more grounded, reasonable person. But to like the way they present themselves to the public, Lee Russell would seem more like a regular dude but it's because he's so conniving and backhanded. And I mean, I, I don't want to say evil because he's so lovable, uh, yeah. but he has that face to the world, which will get him kind of past, I guess, society's lens. Whereas uh, Gamby looks more like a crazy person, but he's got such a heart and he's a family man. And what a great dude. <laughs> yeah, and Hirogawa in, in the chat says it's also very... Uh, competent the show at establishing that the characters are unredeemable douches but you still root for them uh he says always sunny did something similar you know the main characters are douches and stuff but you still love them and want them to pull through in the end uh but yeah vice principles such a great show agreed yes yeah very good i mean and it's 
it's uh, the nice, perfect approach for something like this where they already had a beginning, a middle, and an end. Even though I would so love to just see more of uh, Gamby and Russell getting into misadventures and breaking up and getting back together. Uh, yeah. It just makes it that much more special that it's this story. And it has, I mean, we'll get into it more, but I think the ending's really great as well. Yes. Uh, yes, we will get into it more. Um, I mean, regarding a continuation, I can pull another quote um, from the show saying that the fact that we knew we were building to an ending is what separates this show from other shows. It means we could double down on the dynamics of the show changing. And that's something I really noticed because a lot of stuff is so different in this season two, where a normal show would never change things that much between seasons because if you figure out something that works, you make that show forever, literally forever. That seems to be the goal of television. And so there's no success because sooner or later the show ends and then you failed. But here the goal is not to go on forever. It's to tell this specific story. So they can do stuff like uh, Belinda is barely in season two and she's like one of the main characters in season one and it's not because she got written off because they didn't like the actress they really loved working with her but it made more sense to double down on the dynamics shifting yeah because this would be because it does have this beginning middle and end you know we're we're already at season six in yeah. season two, you know, they would have, yeah, which it would have been understandable because she was great on the show and her interactions with them was great. Uh, but yeah, in a traditional show, it would have been, how do we kind of drag this out for a little bit longer? Uh, yeah, we'll bring it in through season three, maybe start to show some more conflict and have her leave. And then now we're getting into the home stretch. But no, here we, it all just kind of goes naturally because it is a self-contained story uh told over these two seasons yes and there's like smaller changes as well that still i really liked like gamby uh previous season he really hated i think the character's name is ray his ex-wife's oh, yeah. uh, new husband he really hated him throughout the first season even though he kind of liked him he was always telling him what what a dick he was and because he's the most likable character this guy he's so relaxed and zen about everything and now it's totally flipped where he loves that guy hates his ex-wife though and always talks about how she doesn't deserve him and so on <laughs> and similarly actually with um uh with uh, russell's uh mother-in-law who was always kind of shitting on him or like being the worst as far as I remember in season one. And Lee was kind of being submissive and giving her tea with spit in as his passive aggressive revenge. Uh, but now he's openly shitting on her all the time and she just looks confused and old. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, so, I mean, if you're not getting it, uh, we love this show. You should be watching it. Uh, once you, watch it you'll be very happy that you did should we get into a little bit more specifics as far as season two spoilers maybe i i guess um i, I will say this first we already mentioned it kind of but uh about how much it can progress and stuff part of me feels that this is what television should be um kind of it seems like we said like the, everyone else is racing to go for as long as possible and really beat a dead horse 
And this seems very much, you know, it reminds you a lot of the UK formula where they often have two seasons and there's six episodes or whatever. And um, here they just wanted to tell a story and they did. And part of me feels like that's exactly what it should be. And another part of me has a much easier time digesting something that's like the fast food of television. Uh, like there's a, I don't know why, but there's a reason I didn't watch this for months. And there's a like reason it's not the most popular talked about show, even though it is really great. I don't know why, uh, like, are we doomed to make trash television forever because it's easy and it sells? Well, it, it depends. I mean, there has been more than once where there's been a show that we talk about and we're like, how are they going to keep this as a TV show? And I yeah. feel like when the idea is like that, it should be approached in this manner of let's do two or three seasons and let's tell this story. Because I, I don't think it sh it's the same for everything. There are definitely some stories or, or something that's a little bit more vague that's easier to go on with seasons. Like when you pitch a show like this, like, oh, it's about these bitter vice principals fighting to be principal. Yeah. Hell yeah! I think I, I think that's my Twitch. I think I got a donation or a follower. <laughs> I think I got a new follower. Great. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we're not on Twitch yet. Uh, Sorry. But hell that's yeah! A, that's a Jim and M follower. My bad. Uh, I forgot I had that on. Um, but yeah, so you know what I mean. <laughs> and and the hell what yeah, about? even said it as well. But some show because I feel like something like even though you could have an ending in sight, obviously for the marvelous Miss Maisel. I feel like that's a little bit more ripe for something to last like four or five seasons because it's just about a person and a family and kind of the, the relationships involved with that where this feels a bit more specific and you don't want to keep seeing them mess with the principal for years and years. Uh, you want to see it kind of come towards an ending. Hell yeah. Uh, no, for <laughs> sure. I mean, for real, if this was the show and the concept and there were 22 episodes that were 20 minutes each. And then there was another season with 22 episodes of 20 minutes each. And then another one is like, this, it's, it wouldn't be like, I don't even understand how it could be a show, how it could be the same show, uh, because there's so much specificity in how it's put together that makes it great. And it, it needs to have this ending because if it was just going on and on and if they got a new principal and now they were conspiring against the next principal like come on uh that's not what this type of show should be for but i guess you're right there are certain shows where you can milk it and actually keep getting milk out and then there's other shows where you get other stuff out after a while absolutely mm. uh yeah i guess I guess spoilers. I guess we're going to talk about specifics. Yeah, um, yeah. Maybe. I mean, we won't. We probably won't go like episode by episode, beat by beat. But yeah, just just a warning in case. I mean, it, it, I, I'm I'm uh, I hesitant to say this show can't be spoiled because there are some fun surprises and plot points. But it it wouldn't really matter. But I would recommend watching it without it being spoiled if you haven't. Yeah, that's what we watched, or that's what we said when we watched season one, that it can't be spoiled, but then someone got shot and they build up a murder mystery, so yeah, yeah we can kind of spoil it now, because we're going to talk about who shot Gamby, which should be as big as who drew the dicks, hashtag, <laughs> um... But yeah, I can't I can't complain about it because I also slept on it. But I'm hoping if you're uh, listening just to get that extra push, I 
re-listened to our coverage of the first episodes and I was kind of like, oh yeah, it's a... and then I was kind of like, oh yeah, it's really good. And now I'm like, this is so great that they made this. Um, and as I said, I think season two, you're right, it's because they set everything up in season one, but it feels tight on a different level. It's directed by David Gordon Green, where the first season was directed by Jody Hill. Now those are both Eastbound and Down directors, um, and I don't want to attribute everything to them because it's because it was all set up in the first one, but they, uh, David Gordon Green, except I guess one episode is directed by Danny McBride in season two, but it's so well put together and I guess I can mention this before spoilers as well, that the score is so great. The oh, music yeah. adds so much to this show, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, you're right. We're not in spoilers yet because to add into what you're saying, yeah, the score is great and just the the like the visual flair they add and like the weight like the visual weight they add to a lot of kind of the mundane they did a lot of the same similar stuff with uh eastbound and down whether it be like their use of slow motion or just the directing it's all what makes it it's it 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 really is like i know we're like gushing all over this show but it really is something special i'd say Yes, and they use the filmic language more than you'd see in... Um, I mean, I guess a lot of shows try to do that these days, but comparing it to this type of show, um, it, it looks so great, and just certain shots get that extra weight where you know it added like an hour to filming, and they still did it because they wanted to do it right. Well, and... and even though we're seeing it more with stuff like this or even obviously like an Edgar Wright project, it still seems like a lot of directors skimp on comedy. And it's really a disservice because when you see it done properly in, in a lot of these cases, it really elevates it to something much better. And I, and I do want to give a shout out that like these dudes are working on the Halloween remake. And typically... When you hear like, oh, another Michael Myers movie, you like roll your eyes. But what an interesting, weird choice to pull Danny McBride and David Gordon Green to write and direct uh, a new Halloween. And it, like that's what gets me really excited to see a remake of like a 40 year old movie or it's like a weird remake will sequel reboot cool thing that they're doing. But I'm super stoked. Yeah, that's cool. And that's. Uh, similar to what we said about the end of the fucking world, um, this is something where it's a contained story, and it it would be cool to see it continued, but even more so, it makes you excited to uh, see what else they're going to work on and make. Because, okay, final quote from the interview, um, also talking about... Uh, do you think you'll ever revisit these characters? Danny McBride said, I don't know. I honestly don't. I'm working on something brand new for HBO. It's a different story with different characters, but I do like Vice Principals. So maybe a few years from now, we'll get an idea that will sort of click and that makes sense. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, but for now, that was the tale of Neil Gamby and Lee Russell. Well, what's great about that too is that's kind of like a standard answer you'd hear about a lot of things. Um, but... I believe him. Like, I guess the weird thing is I believe him. And I do believe, like, most likely they wouldn't do anything more. But I would trust that if they had a decent enough idea, I'd be. it wouldn't be one of those things where I'd be like, oh, Jesus, they're bringing vice principals back. <laughs> yeah. I believe that they would know if it was something really good and worth revisiting in the future. 
Yes, and it's worth noting that they wrote it, and before they started doing it, um, they had no thought of ever making a season three, and that's just kind of through putting it together and working with these people. I mean, I guess that's how it goes. You want to make more stuff with them, but I think that's the key of saying, like, yeah, if there's something that clicks, um, it, it could happen. But that's the thing that's great, that season one and season two are so different so season three can be totally different and it can be like, you know, Kill Bill 3 happened <laughs> 10 years later and he's still a vice principal or, you know, whatever. Like they can do something and I trust them to do something good, even if it's different. Agreed. Absolutely. So let's get into spoilers. We're going to talk about who murdered Neil Gambley. Spoilers. Ah. Spoiler alert. Spoilers. Spoiler. When did you figure out who murdered Neil? Or he didn't murder. Uh, I mean, yeah. How, when did you figure out who was the shooter? I think it was... I mean, it wasn't towards the beginning, honestly. It was probably... I think it was around the party episode. Yeah. She does something weird at the party. And she then it was... She uh, Snodgrass's <laughs> date. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, sh obviously. Like, she's so unhinged. She's a great character, by the way. Uh, shit, what's her name? Um... She is a great character. Miss Abbott? Yes, because I really liked her in the first season, too, because, you know, she's kind of the classic. She, you know, she loves uh, she loves Gamby and Gamby will use that to his advantage and kind of use her. But uh, she loves them no matter what. And Gamby should maybe he should just settle down with her. But then we realize, no, of course not. Gamby's right. Get away. <laughs> Get away from her. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in season one, uh, we talk about how she seems like way too good for him and like totally normal and he's a he burns down people's houses but i guess they match in that sense um but yeah i think the reason it works is we don't expect someone to get shot in vice principles when we're watching season one so we're not watching out for who's acting like a crazy person you know yeah uh, because if this was a murder mystery show and someone acted like her did in the first season we'd be like oh yeah she's gonna be the killer later but we don't even know there's gonna be a shooter um so I think that's when we start getting reminded that she's so crazy. It's like, hmm, okay, this adds up. Yeah. And I think it was the same for me around then. Cause, or, yeah, and also she's, like, talking about, I think maybe, yeah, an episode or two later, talking about how, oh, yeah, what if Lee Russell went away? You'd be the principal. It's like, oh, no, she's going to kill <laughs> Russell, too. <laughs> and, um, again, I'm probably going to be asking you questions because it's like I have, like, vague memories here. Uh Who's the yep. student that they try to, they, they kind of do that lame storyline where Gamby kind of takes an interest of him. And uh, I'm not saying the show does it lame, but they're, they're playing on that storyline. You see in a lot of shows where the troubled kid that the, the, you know, the teacher or the principal takes an interest in and helps him. But he's like in this show, he continues to kind of be a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to, I, I, I don't have his name right here, but I obviously know who, you mean, and he's one of the initial suspects where in the beginning of the season, Gamby has a new suspect for each season. And then he realizes, like, he, he tries to do, to, to make good because uh, he actually kind of framed this kid. Even though, yeah, he was doing bad stuff, but he specifically got kicked out because Gamby framed him and he gets, he puts him back in school. But yeah, he kind of keeps acting like a piece of shit. But still, they pay it off at the end, and you I don't think it's cheap. I think it works when he says it on like the school TV AV system that you know everyone give him a round of applause. He's really come far. And that's why 
the show like the moments like that combined with ridiculous comedy uh it's it's just a great combination oh yeah yeah Chandra robin chandrell yeah because it does they're they're kind of goofing on that trope i guess but then it comes to a real moment that does resonate and and works without having to make it like the full cheesy thing they play it a little bit better and yeah that's that's uh always great and we were playing clips before we started recording uh two of my favorite clips from this season with lee russell uh one is when the lee and his wife are uh going home after dinner with her ex from college and she starts putting things together knowing who lee russell is like, cause it was her ex-husband or not ex-husband, ex-boyfriend in college, but then it turns out he was gay supposedly, and then we realize it was just a rumor, and it's like, oh, I wonder who started that rumor, and Lee Russell just diverts the conversation and starts cranking some Avril Lavigne and singing it really loud in the car, and it's such a perfect Lee Russell moment, uh, and then plus when. I mean, because again, like this season's all about a lot of turmoil building with Lee Russell and his wife, which does culminate in uh, her leaving him, rightfully so. I mean, even though I do like that's part of what we're talking about. These are irredeemable like pieces of garbage. But I still feel bad for Lee when he loses his wife. But also, yeah, (laughs) she should leave. (laughs) Yes. And he calls her uh, a dusty old queef. (laughs) <laughs> she gets mad rightfully and then he blames it on like oh no one gets my sense of humor <laughs> yes. oh gosh yeah there's all that and at the same time um uh like their buddy cop relationship or their friendship is so great and like it it has its ups and downs but like there's moments uh, obviously like in this season they're like he's the principal now lee russell and gamby i mean he kind of wants to be the principal but he's obviously not nearly as obsessed he's obsessed with finding his shooter now uh so he's not obsessed with that but just by sort of being who he is this improved person that he's slowly becoming he becomes really popular and almost becomes the principal and replaces him and i love when they're doing the tests um they they got these tests to evaluate the school and determine the budget and all the teachers have been not teaching to the test yeah. um so uh, in the last in the last second uh gamby stops it from going away and he and snodgrass and their other new vice principal and uh and lee russell they just change all the answers in a fucking hilarious sequence of them frantically cheating uh <laughs> while in the office and and the vice either vice principal pops in like you cooking the test they're getting close the door close the door and they're like like changing it and they because they don't know the answers either so they have to look it up in history books and stuff while they're driving to the place um and that's fucking hilarious and also you know, does a lot for their relationship and his and Snodgrass's relationship, which feels a lot more uh, believable in this season. All the stuff with her and her book deal. I really relate. I love Snodgrass, Team Snodgrass. Uh, so, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, her, uh, like, dystopian YA novel that's, like, really bad. And uh, uh, does she, doesn't she end up at kind of like um, like a hoity-toity... Because uh, of her boyfriend, like a hoity-toity like author party, but she yep. gets all drunk and kind of 
pulls a Gamby in a way. Doesn't she go up and she's like reading her novel or something like that? Or is yeah, she supposed yeah. to? I don't even know if she's drunk, but she's like her boyfriend is such a piece of shit uh, that tells her that like everything that's bad about her book. Oh, you're right. And yeah, that she, she's not. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that he doesn't like it for these reasons and these reasons. Then why did you send it to your publishers? Well, an old old guy like me needs to use every piece of bait in the tackle box to catch a <laughs> fine young thing like you. And, like, their relationship is already falling apart. But at that point... And also, he's, like, the worst type of author who does, like, anthropological books about weird tribes and goes with a cannibal tribe and eats there, eats like them and everything. And then he writes a book about it and everyone is so up, up on his dick. Um, so yeah, she goes up and wants an honest opinion from everyone there on her book. She doesn't really get a chance to read much. Even if she did, we kind of get the sense, unfortunately, her ex-boyfriend is kind of right that she should take the notes and kind of try to work with it, but he expresses it in such a horrific way uh, that uh, it says that she doesn't have any talent at all. So that's why she tries to find out if she has any talent by reading it, but she gets laughed out of there, and it's heartbreaking. And then Gamby, right like he, right then he finishes the book, talks about how great he is, uh, how, how great how great the book is. So that's great timing on his part. Yeah, and you're right, like, thinking about it, because in the first season, the Gamby-Snodgrass thing is just, you know, Gamby kind of being a piece of shit, but, like, somehow lucking out with Snodgrass. Yeah. And it just feels more as a joke. But here in the in season two, it all of a sudden, they are, like, star-crossed lovers that we are desperate to see together. <laughs> like, yeah. like doesn't, she under- doesn't she understand how great Gamby is? Uh, we also get uh, a taste of Russell's family here, and we see his sisters. So great. Like, they bully the shit out of him, and we kind of get more of a sense of why he has turned to becoming this, like, underhanded, cunning uh, person because it's, like, his only way to get revenge or to get back at people. Uh, yeah. But it's just so hilarious to see his... His uh, what, uh, what do they say Sisters. about it? Like his dicks out or something? Like they say, they the, pull the, his pants yeah, off, and yeah. Like <laughs> laugh in the garage and laugh and, and go off with it, and they laugh about how his dicks out and and his mom. Like they they talk about why his dad always favored his sisters, and his mom's like says, yeah, we knew, he knew they bully you. Like of course it's we're not blind, but nobody likes a little shit-faced liar like she doesn't say it like that she's actually like nicer about it which makes it hurt more uh when his actual mother is talking about no one likes when like you're a a fucking liar who can't ever tell the truth and you're just trying to get one over and trick everyone nobody likes that son and it's such a great moment when we cut back and we see him like destroying all the stuff in the uh garage yeah uh model airplanes yeah the model airplanes Oh, I loved it. <laughs> yes, that was cool. And I think he says, like, yeah, I'm going to be different from now on. But, of course, this pathological lying is the reason everything started going wrong with his wife, Christine. And then it's the reason it keeps going wrong because he says he's going to make dinner. But then he just buys takeout. And just it's such a, a natural thing for him to lie mm-hmm. that, yeah, then he comes home and the house is totally empty. And what's going on with the school again where they have these, like, fitness guys that are making oh, them yeah. all, uh... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're that, all, like, that... these vigorous workout stuff going on? 
that's an episode for Think Change. Uh, it's not brainwashing. It's Think Change, where we're going to get you to uh, think differently. Like, it's basically like a, a team-building exercise, except secretly it's for leaders to break down their workers and remold them into whatever. So that's why they have to take the brutal punishment to become basically brainwashed. And Gamby gets to be principal for a day because he goes because uh, uh, Lee Russell goes to his father's funeral, um, and he actually like says no, that's enough, and he says no to the think change people, which means he gets the backing of everyone in school, which later leads to the episode titled "The Most Popular Boy," <laughs> where he starts becoming the most popular boy in school. <laughs> yeah, and and I think the uh, like I was saying, the, the show is so good at uh, having us root for like Gamby and Russell. I feel to be together, um, yeah. but at the same time, even though uh, Miss Abbott is kind of such an obvious choice for the shooter, there was always that doubt in my mind or that fear that Russell did it because it was always very plausible that yeah. they could flip the script and that Russell did end up doing it. I wouldn't think it would be a great move, but it's it could have happened. And I think that was like a nice enough distraction uh, to have kind of lingering throughout the show to kind of yeah. muddy things up a bit and, uh, you know, uh, and also kind of look for as far as... Because their relationship does keep going back and forth through these episodes... Uh, both between, I think, even in the beginning when, when Neil suspects him and then they kind of go back on it. But then when this starts happening where the teachers start to back him and Russell feels threatened by that because, you know, they're always, like, making fun of him. And what, what were they putting up pictures of him or something like that? They're yeah, like, like King, King Dingaling <laughs> yeah. uh, with a tiny penis. And it ties in with his sisters pulling his pants off and pointing at his dick and everything. So obviously it's not going to help his confidence. Yes, yeah, for sure. Um, and then even amongst all this that's happening, uh, they we get to have an episode where he takes his daughter on spring break, yeah. and Gamby, I mean, and Russell comes along for the ride. And you, me personally, like, I'm just dreading because I'm like, oh no, what what bad, weird, dumb thing are they gonna do now that they're being unleashed upon spring break? Yeah, well, it I guess it didn't go that bad because yeah. it was actually his daughter who got in trouble, uh, got arrested, almost arrested. I can't remember what they did. Oh, yeah, for stealing or, like, shoplifting or something because she was hanging out with these bad influence uh, friends of her. And I love how she's being, like, cocky in that episode. And in, in the end, she's crying and she's sorry for acting like that. And that's those moments of real humanity that they put in mm -hmm. um, to sort of ground everything. That's the same episode as the uh, literature uh, thing with okay. Snodgrass. And it's also the same episode that ends with the fucking horrifying shot of him sitting on his bed and the door opens. And after fucking seven episodes of looking for this guy in the mask who shot him, there's a mask coming out from like his closet like there's someone poking out his their head with a mask on and that's a genuinely horrifying <laughs> moment um of course it's not the killer it's his daughter and friends who are like spooking him and oh we just found this mask and that's when the point uh the the, the finger of blame is pointed at lee russell because it's in the trunk of his car but of course i think most people watching have already figured out 
Like, this is, like, you're right. It is plausible that he did it. This is the point where we know he didn't do it. Yes. Because it was in the trunk of his car. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, Miss Abbott was there right before they arrived. So it's Miss Abbott. But it does lead to episode eight, which might be the best episode, where all the tensions just finally pays off from not just this season, but the previous season. This is where it's all-out war again between Gamby and Russell, as it was kind of promised in the first episode that it was like the ba- their battle. But now it's like he thinks he shot him, and he uh, it, it's just amazing the way it, it goes down, because even just in the first 15 minutes, it's like him threatening to kill him in the woods if he comes back to work, so he thinks he's the new principal, but then he shows up, and then he... Uh, like there's all these great pacing and great timing, but basically he pulls the gun on him at work, gets fired, so he leaves, comes back in, and there's a fantastic fight yes. that everyone's watching with their uh, phone cameras. I can't believe either of them could get a job anywhere after that, after that presumably viral video of these two vice principals fighting their way through the halls in the most ridiculous way imaginable. Yeah, it's so great. It's like a long track, like through like the halls and through the school as they're just like kicking each other's ass. Yes, uh, and yeah, and, and all like that's all in like fifteen minutes, and then the rest of the episode is more maneuvering and more kind of like Game of Thrones ish plans and power plays. Uh, where he brings together the backbone of the school, uh, Mr. Gamby, in the in the woods by the tracks. He brings in the cafeteria workers, uh, the teachers, the gold star teachers, who Lee Russell put a star around their neck, and they never bring up the fact that it's totally a Nazi thing to do. Um, but it's it still works. It's still great. They don't need to telegraph it because they just wear these big stars. Um, so he brings the teachers and the bully kid or the bad kids, the bullies. Um, and like you three represent the backbone of this school. And together we're going to take down Lee Russell with this intricate plan using his sister's diary. Um, yeah, I don't really remember the specifics, unfortunately. I'm trying to kind of pick it up and get back where we were. Obviously, I definitely remember the fight and everything. Um, I remember getting sh- someone gets shot in the finale again uh, well that's this is actually the episode before the finale oh, the episode before okay where most like shit goes down and it could even be the ending because it end it's like a happy ending in the episode before the finale like he's figured out it's lee russell and christine helps him get the diary of his sister and they plot this plan and he says to ray and his ex that it's all over now and then later he gets to say i was wrong it wasn't actually over but now it's for sure all over it's all going to be resolved and if i die tomorrow or if i die tonight you know i'll just know that it was for the greater good and they the bully or the bully kids they they sort of shove lee russell into a closet and uh gamby smuggles himself in with the cafeteria and he reads from the diary <laughs> And uh, apparently, like, they hint that it's awful stuff. Like, they mention him drowning a cat in a bag, and then they don't even say the other stuff because it's apparently so much worse. Um, so basically, he just gets uh, gets Russell to sign his papers resigning right there, meaning that starting in the next episode, he is the principal, and he got everything he wished for, and it all falls apart from there. Okay, yeah, all right. I'm with you now. I remember. 
because Lee Russell in the final episode, we figure out like, or they say, I mean, it's not him. He's trying to figure out who actually did it. And he figures out that it's uh, Abbott. So he goes to the cabin in the woods and coincidentally, Abbott is there in a wedding dress. And if anyone didn't figure it out yet, she's fucking crazy and a murderer. <laughs> and she shoots Lee Russell in the fucking head. And I was so bummed out. Yes. I was so upset. Yes. Even though he's a fucking asshole, I really thought they would have done it. Like, that's the reason they burn down houses. That's the re Like, they use all that and make me think he's dead, where no other show I would ever think he was dead. Yeah, yeah, with everything that's led to this point, because, I mean, even in episode nine, just the surprise of someone getting shot and then leading into this finale, we know it's the last episode, so they could very well just kill Lee Russell, and he is a character that they've set up as kind of a bad guy, so you'd understand if they set this up as his weird comeuppance for being the, the character that he was. But man, am I glad they didn't kill him. I was so I'm bummed. So glad. Uh, which is what I'm talking about, the difference between the first few episodes and now. I'm so invested. Even though like he's the worst, he's had some comeuppances, but I don't want him to die. And she shoots him in the head, and there's actually like a, a, a mist of red, and he seems so dead. And yet they managed to convince me because they sort of do the makeup like it's a little, like it's scratched across his forehead or whatever or the side of his head so it actually is believable that it just grazed him and flew by um but yeah he then also gets fucking mauled by a tiger so that happens too yeah and so because then gamby gets like what does she do does she drop him in a hole or something like that because then well, she's gonna go his, kill his Snodgrass. because he, he he's got all these security uh, measurements oh, he's yeah. taken. So of course he he tries to get get her with his fucking logs slamming together trap like the fucking Ewoks in Return of the Jedi. She, he tries to log her, but of course that doesn't work. Uh, it just misses her. So she runs after him, shooting uh, shooting at him. So he falls down in his spike hole, manages to miss the spikes that would have impaled him. Uh, but yeah, it's only because of Russell that he can get out and Abbott is heading off to kill Snodgrass instead. Yeah, so then it's a race to the school to go sna save Snodgrass where they do have a tiger because they've changed changed the mascot since the shooting uh yeah. to the tigers or whatever um and yeah so the she kind of she kind of saves herself right like snodgrass kind of fights her off and then the crazy uh crazy abbot is like fine i welcome death as she goes to let the tiger out to like i guess suicide by tiger yes yes exactly but uh doesn't really work out for her. like the tiger actually passes her but they they shut it up in the cafeteria and then go and evacuate and actually do a pretty good job of keeping everyone calm and like let's get out of here because we contain the tiger so it's all fine um uh, but then of course abbott pulls the fire alarm which raises the gates so the tiger is free and that like there's this uh security guy like i, th I think is a police officer who has a nice dynamic with uh, Gamby, because in the first episode, he thinks Gamby's a hero who got shot, and then Gamby keeps using him to try to, like, figure out who the killer is and do <laughs> yeah. illegal searches and things. Yeah. So they're on a more antagonistic, uh, you know, side towards the end. But he wants to shoot the fucking tiger. 
And Lee Russell starts blabbing and like, I am one with nature. And like, I have come to this point and I don't even know what he says, but he like puts out his hand and I almost think it's going to work. But then they do the great moment of his hand just getting basically chomped down on and eaten. Because even like the other characters there think like, oh, is it going to work? Because it's got the background music and everything. And then it's like, and uh, yeah. It's like, yeah, Lee believes and, you know, he makes us, the audience, believe that somehow everything he's gone through has prepared him for this moment because he can be one with this tiger. He can look him dead in the face and he can connect and uh, train this tiger basically through his own thought. And, uh, And it's so great because you're right, there is... They hold it out so long where you're like, wow, this is actually going to work. But no, he just gets his fucking hand jumped on and kind of mauled by a tiger. Yeah, then Gamby rushes in and they get to have like almost a second deathbed scene because he's there all chomped up by by the tiger. And he says that he loves Gamby. And Gamby says, you're a good friend too. (laughs) And he's like, come on, just fucking say it. And this is also so drawn out uh, where he just won't say it. But then he says that he loves him finally. Um, And um, then the tiger shows up and Gamby's actually the one who communicates with the tiger because he just out alphas the tiger by yelling out all his frustration in that moment which is also something that would be so silly and ridiculous uh but it works because he's like just being danny mcbride and like screaming and like so annoyed at everything and then we cut away and we see them staggering out uh so he saves the day in the end yes yes and what a crazy like i mean i know i said it's kind of grounded I mean, clearly none of this stuff is, but it works. Like everything else building to this, it just works and it doesn't feel as outrageous as it is. Yes. And uh, then we jump three months later and see that Gamby is now the principal of a middle school. Uh, For some reason, he's moved to a middle school while his daughter moves to high school. Um, And he comes in and the vice principal is sitting in his chair and he has to talk some shit at this guy. So it's all full circle. Yes, yeah. And uh, I do want to play this like final scene. It's got to be on here, right? Uh, Yes. The ending scene they have. Whoops, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. I would assume that if you're on the podcast, it's not going to make much sense because it's all visuals, right? But it is a great, great finishing scene. Um, where they're sitting down uh, in a food court and he's with Snodgrass and uh, Russell, if you expected him to be a vice principal of a fucking daycare or something, no, he's uh, he's like a regional manager at a, at a shitty clothing store. Um, but so, so he's, he's, he's still kind of yeah. up to Russell type stuff in a way. Yeah, of course. Of and, course. and, and um, yeah, yeah, there's not really dialogue here, but it's, you know, it's reminiscent of something like the scene in Dark Knight Rises where uh, Alfred's kind of like, you know, maybe I'll, s- I have a dream that I'll see you in France and we won't say anything. But to <laughs> me, like, this is way more impactful than that stupid scene from the Dark Knight Rises. But let me go ahead and pull it up real quick. Yeah. I think they thought that the book was awesome. Oh, really? Yeah. God, I hope so. The cover's not too bad. I'm stoked that my dad is coming to the next reading. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you nervous about meeting him? No. I think it'll be fun. He's pretty laid back. Do you know that he likes to get high? 
he's a really nice guy. He might come at you pretty quick and hard. Goosebumps. I get goosebumps. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was a ghost all along. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Russell's not in the chair anymore, so he must have been a ghost. No, yeah, for sure. You're right. It's got that, like, two, like, here we are, two ships passing in the night. I give you a salute. You give me a salute, and we go our separate ways. Yeah. It's really good. And it's like this. I, I think I was reading McBride talk about it where – you know, it's these two guys that realize that they're probably not the best for each other. Uh, <laughs> and But even though, like, me and the audience, I'm like, no, you need to stay together. I need to see Gamby and Russell together. But they're, they've, they've grown that maturity where they understand they've had something special and it's time to move on. And what a, what a great ending. What a great way to send the show off. I loved it. Yeah. Hero Gavo in the chat wrote, and the show is so much about this ground level day to day stuff that both these characters moving on with their lives and just drifting apart uh, really doesn't feel outrageous. Um, it, it, it hits close to home, I guess. We're also those guys that did a lot of crazy shit with friends, and with time, we just drift away from one another. Goosebumps indeed. Perfect. Yeah. The, nailed it. Nailed it. And and Caesar in the chat, yeah, I can't wait to finish this show. I don't mind these spoilers at all. So there you go. <laughs> and it's weird because I, 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 I do feel a little weird because on the surface it is kind of just like a goofy show, but that's what's so great about it is that they, they, they took a goofy show serious and they did a lot of stuff that you don't necessarily have to do. Sometimes you just make a silly comedy. You don't have to put much into it. And that could still be just as enjoyable, but it's just really nice to see kind of hitting on all cylinders and uh, bringing up, like you said, about uh, End of the Fucking World. Um, I don't necessarily need to see Vice Principals 3, but I'm ready for more McBride and David Gordon Green and Jody Hill and yeah. them talking about working on something new for HBO. Um, I'm, I'm psyched. I, I, yeah. I just because I don't know. It doesn't feel like this show was a huge hit because I didn't hear a lot about it, but maybe it was. Uh, I just don't want HBO to stop giving them stuff to do. No, it's been like dead silent. No one, no one talks about this show. That's why you need Vice Principals, <laughs> your one and only uh, Vice Principals podcast. And, uh, it, it, you know, when, when they come back in five years or 10 years, we're going to be there with episode four of our new podcast. Um, 
Because, yeah, we're, we're all incredibly on board at this point. Also from the chat, Hiragawa says, Jacob is such a heartthrob. This is why you need to come to the video feed, everyone. It's uh, true. YouTube.com slash shows what you know, where we stream every Sunday at noon. Uh, Pacific Standard Time, that's 9 o'clock in the evening in Sweden. You do the math on the rest of the world. Well, if there's something else I could, sh I could say about a both of course. vice principals, the show, and vice principals, the podcast, is uh, Vice Principals takes a page for Vice Principals. Not like all those other podcasts that just go on and on and on. Three and done. We uh, Nice beginning, middle, and end. <laughs> nice and perfect. And then we bid a fond farewell. You know, hey, will we revisit this one day? Maybe if a good enough idea comes along. Maybe if they do more Vice Principals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But hey, you we'll know, see. And... Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Also from the chat... Christopher Miller, man, I don't come here to do maths, Jacob. Okay. Also from the chat, Robin Banks, can you say the N-word? So, uh, you know, the chat is where you want to be. It's popping off every Sunday, as we said. Uh, you don't need to do the maths. You can just, uh, uh, okay, maybe you do. I don't know. Tell me where you're, you're at. We'll at you. Just tell me what country you're in by tweeting at shows what you know. That's you with the letter U on Twitter, and I will tell you when the show is on. No maths required, just social media proficiency. Absolutely. And Jesus. I mean, I know it's not a lot of people in the chat, but for us, it's a lot of people, so clearly we should have been doing vice principals week to week. <laughs> yeah, clearly, clearly. Um, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> Hiragawa, as he says, the story we wanted to tell is done. So, you know, artistic integrity. We gotta end the show, Jim. Uh, Please do check out showswhatyouknow.com and subscribe to the podcast feed, leave a review, recommend a show for us to watch. This show, we're discussing it because someone recommended it in an iTunes review. That could be you. Um, Robin Banks asks, do you play, guys play Overwatch? Well, maybe if you recommend it in an iTunes review, we'll bring it up. Uh, but until next time, thank you all for watching, and I, I, I bid you a little, I, I tip my cap to you, Jim, and then you look, you look away for a second, okay? Look away, Jim. And yep, I'm yep. looking away. And I'm looking back to tip my cap. Oh, my God. It is an empty seat. I don't know if you guys can see it right now because I'm talking. But um, it's just like Gamby and Russell. It's Scampoli and Burroughs. Name a more fucking uh, perfect collab. I'll wait, except we won't. Subscribe to the show. Check out awesomepedia.org for more of Jacob. Check out jimandthem.com for more of me. And we bid you adieu.